this is the in focus podcast from the hindu welcome to the hindus in focus podcast i'm zubeda hamid your host for today india has faced record breaking temperatures this summer the punishing heat wave across large parts of our country has killed dozens of people already and while the exact numbers remain controversial the fact remains that heat waves are becoming far more frequent lasting for longer and as a consequence affecting more people a large section of our population works out of doors for most of the year and is exposed to these high temperatures and this is combined with the fact that many people in our country cannot afford cooling mechanisms such as fans and air conditioners leaving them vulnerable to the searing heat While we know that climate change is responsible for the increasing number of heat waves and the high number of hot days per year, what exactly does extreme heat do to our body? What are the signs and symptoms of heat exhaustion and heat stroke? What can individuals do to protect themselves? We explore these questions and more with Dr. Karthik Gunasekaran, Associate Professor in the Department of General Medicine at Christian Medical College, Vellore. Good morning, Dr. Karthik. Welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast. Thank you, Subeda, for having me here. Doctor, there have been reports of dozens of people who have died, especially in Uttar Pradesh and Bihar, due to heat stroke this year. Could you explain to us what happens to you when it faces extreme heat? Yeah. So, heat-related illness is uh, a common medical emergency with life-threatening consequences. So what happens is the thermoregulatory mechanism of the body fail in maintaining the homeostasis during heat waves of summer resulting in failure of multiple organs in the body so the body can exchange heat through conduction convection and by evaporation so conduction is the transfer of heat to a cooler object through direct contact whereas convection is the transfer of heat to the body surface by air circulation so evaporation cools the skin surface when heat when sweat changes from a liquid form to a vapor form thus causing a cooling effect at high ambient temperature and increase when your body's metabolic uh, demands are increased evaporation of sweat is one of the primary mechanism of heat dissipation so circulation is shunted from your uh, vital organs to the peripheral circulation to enhance cooling through the skin so additionally when you have increased cardiac output during exercise uh your skeletal metabolic demand also increases so over here evaporative sweating also increase the plasma circulating volume that is the volume of blood in the blood vessels actually decreases it further results in a state of dehydration and impairs the body's ability to dissipate the heat so the organs mainly affected are the lungs liver the kidney the blood coagulation parameters and the brain which is one of the vital organ a common organs which are affected by the elevated core temperature and when your body's mechanism to cool the body becomes inadequate resulting in a clinical symptoms and when you look at the prognosis in it depends on the amount of time spent in hypothermia hence when you diagnose early a heat related illness and you start aggressive treatment in the form of cooling measures such as placing them in ice packs infusing cold saline or by evaporative method where cool water is rested on your body while warm air is fanned over you which causes a evaporative cooling effect will decrease the morbidity and mortality associated with this condition 
So basically this means that because the body is not able to cool itself or because it can't sweat enough, this results in a heat illness, correct? Yes. Yes. So what happens is there is an elevation body temperature and failure of mechanism of cooling. That is, you, you don't sweat. So by sweating, you actually uh, cool the body. So why does this happen? Why is the body not able to sweat enough because the body's temperature has increased to that degree? Yeah, so the thermoregulatory mechanism doesn't uh, respond when the body temperature goes to a higher level. And when you are when you have uh, some kind of comorbidities where your body's mechanism doesn't allow you to sweat or when you're on drugs like anticholinergic drugs or antipsychotic drugs, which actually decreases the uh, body's ability to sweat. Tell us a little bit more about this, doctor. What comorbidities are associated with deaths of heat waves? So... When you look at the major risk factors for uh, heat-related illness, illness heat-related illness can be um, classified as two types. When you have an exertional heat-related illness or the classic heat-related illness. When you look at the major risk factors, uh, somebody with uh, doing sternus exercise, exposure to high temperatures and, or immunity, lack of adjustment to ambient temperature or poor physical fitness, excessive clothing are the causes for exertional heat-related illness. When you, on the other hand, when you look at classic heat-related illness or non-exertional heat-related illness, affects elderly individuals with underlying medical comorbidities that impair the body's thermoregulation, removal of from hot environment, and restrict attempted access to hydration or cooling. So these conditions are like diabetes, patients who are hypertensive or on specific drugs like beta blockers or diuretics, patients who have got cardiovascular disease like heart failure. Neurological disease like people with stroke when they are already in a moribund state or patients who are having a psychiatric illness who are on these antipsychotic drugs or anticholinergic drugs, people who are obese and who have physical uh, disability, these are the patients who are at high risk of getting heat-related illness. What about young children? Young children, so extremes of age, including uh, you have uh, young children and elderly. So heat-related illness. Uh, we get in extremes of age, that is very young people and very old people. So what happens in obesity is uh, there is a decreased cardiovascular fitness and impaired microvascular functioning in the skin, potentially leading to impaired thermoregulatory response. And when you look at aging, aging in humans is accompanied by a decrease in sweat response, cardiac regulation and function, and uh, changes in the immunity. So these factors contribute to increased risk of heat-related morbidity and mortality. And patients with diabetes and heart disease do not have a normal cardiovascular function and sweat response, causing high risk of occurrence of heat-related illness in this subgroup of population. So it all boils down to the fact that your body is not able to sweat like it needs to sweat. Yes. Right. Doctor, tell us a little bit about the symptoms of heat stroke. What, what happens when the body experiences this and what are the symptoms that patients present with? So it's actually... a. a Heat-related illness is actually a spectrum where you can have mild dehydration to severe multi-organ dysfunction where many uh, organs in the body fail. They present with a, we call it as multi-organ dysfunction syndrome. So it can be a mild illness where you can have uh, a heat edema, where they can present with heat edema, where they present with swelling of the extremities. Occasionally, they can have facial flushing. This is because the heat causes dilatation of the blood vessels, which leads to vascular leak and collection of fluid in the muscles. So sometimes people can also present with heat cramps. That is, they have muscle cramps 
due to overuse of the uh, muscular and neuromuscular hyperactivity where fluid and electrolytes are depleted causing muscle cramps or they can present even with a simple heat rash where they can have these red boils in the neck and in the extremities. So these are the mild form of the disease. So you also have a moderate form of the illness where they can have isolated associated collapse or heat syncope where they can have where patients can present with lightheadedness, feeling dizzy, where they can have uh, a drop in blood pressure, they can constantly lose their consciousness. And most often this happens because, again, there is dilatation of the blood vessels, cooling of the uh, blood in the uh, peripheries, which results in these symptoms. The other form is an heat exhaustion, which commonly seen in uh, during the warmer periods, where they present with increased thirst, they can have headache, fatigue, they can have increase in heart rate, leads to weakness, they can have dizziness, they can also have something like nausea, vomiting, and they can even present with diarrhea. And here the temperature usually ranges between 101 to 104 degree Fahrenheit. And uh, usually the heat exhaustion is something like a, a condition before a person goes into a severe illness called the heat stroke. So if you identify heat exhaustion and treat them with aggressive cooling, that could prevent them from going into a severe illness called uh, heat stroke, where they can present with altered mental status, where they can have seizures, they can go into a state of uh, comatose stage, they can have a uh, decrease in the blood pressure, they might require additional supports in the form of ventilation, and they can also have renal, uh, the kidneys can shut down. So here the usual temperature is more than 105 degree Fahrenheit. So that's a dreaded uh, complication of this heat-related illness. Right, so it's first heat dehydration, then you fall into heat exhaustion, and if you're still not treated, then it becomes heat stroke, correct? Yes, yes. So you can have a mild disease like a just heat cramps or dehydration, a moderate disease like a heat exhaustion, and you have the severe form in the form of a heat stroke. So you described a variety of symptoms, doctor, uh, that pertain to heat-related illnesses. Is it difficult to diagnose when patients come in? Can you uh, are these symptoms generally confused with symptoms of other diseases? Yes. So what happens is uh, all patients will have a high temperature, and they can have uh, tachycardia, that is, increased heart rate. They can have a decrease in the blood pressure. Um, we call it as hypotension. They have breathing difficulty. All these symptoms can be seen in other conditions such as a bacterial infection, where we commonly call it as sepsis, where when you have a, a bacterial infection which affects the body, causing a syndrome called a sepsis. So it mimics, most often it mimics a bacterial infection. So most often what happens is patients will be received in the emergency department. We need to uh, ask the background history of whether they had history of travel, whether they have been exposed to high temperature whether they have other symptoms to differentiate from uh, other causes for sepsis, like whether we need to rule out a urinary tract infection or a respiratory tract infection or any abdominal infection. And then uh, the ideal thing to do is check for poor temperature. In sepsis, your poor temperature may not be so high. It will be just like your, your body temperature, whereas specifically in heat stroke, your poor temperature is going to be very high. So, uh, so it's actually a, a clinical presentation with the uh, history of uh, exposure to heat and supported by uh, lab values where they can have low sodium levels or a high sodium levels and they can have renal dysfunction and there is something called the uh, CPK that we send which can be elevated in heat related illness. So based on all this we actually 
come to a diagnosis of age-related illness after satisfactorily ruling out other causes for sepsis. So we do often give antibiotics as well because when we are in doubt, we don't know whether patient has actually got an infection or due to heat-related infection. So we actually draw blood cultures, wait for the cultures. If the cultures are negative, we remove, we take off the antibiotics. And before that, we actually start them on aggressive cooling measures to bring down the temperature. And most often people do respond to aggressive cooling measures. Uh, so heat-related illness, the main uh, treatment is aggressive cooling. So when you cool them within the first uh, one hour, which is called the golden hour, so most often patients actually do improve and they actually walk back. So tell us, doctor, about the deaths that we have been reading media reports about, which have happened across Uttar Pradesh and Bihar for the most part. You said that uh, at at a stage where it is heat exhaustion and you give aggressive cooling measures, then patients respond and they get better. So what happens to the body when it becomes a heat stroke? Why do your organs begin to shut down? Yeah, so a body is made of protein. So at very high temperature, these proteins get denatured. They don't function. So you can, the perfect example is like, uh, so when you take an egg and boil it, it becomes, I mean, it gets boiled. So that's that's what happens to a body as well. So these proteins get denatured and you uh, they go into a state of a vasodilated state where there is decrease in perfusion to the uh, vital organs and the body's response is to release uh, these uh, cytokines and these cytokines come into picture and they actually cause more damage to the body, to the lungs, to the liver, and to the brain. Right. So, basically, the body boils itself. That's what you're saying. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. And most of our body made up of proteins, and these proteins get denatured at this very high temperature. We cannot cope up such high temperature. So, then one by one, the organs start to fail. Is that what happens? Yeah. So, we often call this as a multiple organ dysfunction syndrome. Right. So what happens when a patient presents with this? Is there is there a chance for them to be treated? Yeah. So our aim is to give them aggressive cooling in the first one hour. We would like to bring down the temperature normal. Even if they come with a temperature of say 40 uh, degree or um, more than 40, we try to bring them, bring the temperature to normal to 38 at least uh, within the one hour. So what we do is we give them aggressive cooling. That is in the form of ice packs. We place ice packs at the axilla, at the groin, over the forehead, and we also infuse them with cold saline. So these um, cold saline infusion can be given. And the other form of uh, cooling measure is we, uh, we spray them cold saline over the body and place fans so that by evaporation, cooling can take place. We also irrigate. We put in a nasogastric tube into the stomach and we also infuse cold saline into the stomach so that it can be uh, the cooling measures can be done. So this is very essential because we need to bring down the body temperature so that uh, further damage can be prevented. And having said that, if they come very critical with the uh, CNS insult, that is damage to the brain due to this heat-related illness, uh, most often when there is damage to the brain, it's often irreversible. So sometimes we may not be able to do anything more than that. So they can actually have a sequelae. They can go into a persistent comatose stage where even cooling them may not really be effective. Right. 
Doctor, tell us. The central government brought out a national action plan on heat-related illnesses in 2021. Do you think that more awareness is needed about these kinds of illnesses across India, especially now that the number of hot days we are experiencing every year is increasing? Yes, the national action plan on heat-related illness was introduced in 2021. So this was introduced to reduce the heat-related uh, illness burden by equipping the stakeholders, healthcare workers. and facilities to track prepare and manage heat related illness cases so it's a robust program where you actually uh, do a complete surveillance pick up cases early and how to manage them so there have been steps taken uh, to educate the general public regarding the heat related illness and prevent prevention strategies but we need to have uh, conduct more awareness camps through media and newspaper emphasizing on key steps of prevention which includes adequate hydration avoiding exposure to peak temperatures especially during the mid and the afternoon use of loose uh, clothing the government could also potentially set up multiple hydration points especially in peak summer seasons and all healthcare facilities including the government and the private institution should display the risk factors and prevention strategies in outpatient clinics and elderly people uh, and younger people younger children who are at risk should be given priority in all services be it healthcare or domestic purpose specifically in the morning hours so that they can be prevented from being exposed to the heat during the afternoon healthcare professionals should be sensitized and trained to identify the illness because faster early diagnosis and recognition of symptoms and leads to an early initiation of cooling measures which results in good outcomes Tell us a little more about the prevention me- measures, doctor. Now that the summers are becoming so long in India, most individuals are going to be exposed to a lot of high temperatures across the country, no matter what profession we are in. And of course, people who work out of doors are exposed for the longest time to these temperatures. As individuals, what can we do to protect ourselves? Yeah. So, so schedule your outdoor activities carefully. Try to limit your outdoor activity to when it's the coolest, like morning or in the evening hours. Uh, rest often in shady areas when your body has some chance to recover. You need to wear appropriate clothing. Wear try to wear loose clothing and um, light shades. You need to hydrate yourself. Drink plenty of fluids. Drink more fluids regardless of how active you are. Don't wait until you become thirsty and drink. Just keep hydrating yourself. You need to replace your salt and minerals. So heavy sweating actually removes a lot of salt and minerals from your body. So you need to replenish your minerals you can take a bottle of ors or even add a pinch of salt and sugar and take that water or even lemon juice should uh, help and you need to monitor people who are at risk that is uh, young children and elderly people who are obese these people should be carefully monitored so that um, they don't get heat exhaustion or heat related illness and as individuals we should be aware of ill effects of prolonged heat exposure and uh, we should not just be aware but we should also educate and raise awareness in the public doctor we know that uh, research has shown us that um, the amount of extreme heat that we face can you know over the long term reduce productivity because people simply cannot work well in these kinds of conditions how does it affect a body long term is there any research on whether it for instance shortens the lifespan so after this thing of global warming and there have been and climate changes so because of this the summer temperatures have become higher than usual 
So medical researchers have started finding links between sustained heat exposure and chronic health conditions ranging from diabetes to kidney stones, cardiovascular disease and even obesity. So these chronic health conditions lead to reduced lifespan and disability due to decreased, increased hospitalization. So there have been contradicting results in, on the life expectancy and exposure to heat. So there have been studies uh, which have looked at uh, the life expectancy of people living in warmer places and people living in colder, uh, colder region. So some studies have shown that people who live in colder region tend to live longer, at least by two years, when compared to people living in warmer region. And uh, there are some studies that shows that extremes of cold also results in uh, decreases your life expectancy. So there are contradicting uh, results on this, but most of the studies have shown that if you live in a colder region, you your life expectancy can be increased by two years. But again, there are studies which have linked your high temperatures to your chronic uh, conditions, which is alarming. So more research is required in this. And over the years, hopefully we'll have an answer for this. How are they linked to chronic conditions, doctor? How is heat related to that? So that's what your body each time... Um, there is a exposure to heat your body uh, so what happens is these uh, cytokines and these uh, your body's um, reaction to the heat changes and these exposed will result in the changes which can result in chronic health conditions ranging from diabetes to kidney stones so when you are recurrently going into a state of dehydration you can develop uh, renal dysfunction and cardiovascular disease because if you go into a state of uh, uh, vasodilated state, so there is hypotension, there can be an increase in heart rate. So all these changes which are not uh, normal, so body tends to try to have a balance whenever there is an insult. So these recurrent insults could result in, over a period of time, can result in larger damage resulting into cardiovascular disease. Do we need more research in India about this? Yes, definitely. Because, I mean, we have been exposed to heat, extremes of heat. And uh, it's not like uh, uh, temperatures are going to reduce in the near future. So, more research is required in this. Not only in terms of chronic diseases, there can be even uh, changes in infectious diseases that occur due to change in climate. So, those are the researches which have been going on. So, with uh, climate change, how the infectious diseases are changing. So, more research is required, especially in uh, tropical countries like India. Thank you so much for speaking to us today, Dr. Ganesekaran. Thank you for having me. Thank you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.